Sports betting season is in full force with the NFL officially back, which means you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS have been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. And they have loads of bonuses. Join now at BetUS.com today and receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using bonus code CHICAGO125. BetUS is known as America's favorite sportsbook for a lot of reasons. BetUS has all your NFL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and odds. In addition to the NFL, you can bet on college football games, PGA golf, UFC matches, and more. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy to use with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS.com with our code CHICAGO125. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Thursday, September 16th, and we're heading into week two as the Chicago Bears look to get their first win of the season on Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals at Soldier Field. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this game preview episode as we aim to share all the information that you need to make you the most informed Bears fan on game day. Alongside me are my co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. Nick, I saw you were able to get back to practice today out to Hallis Hall. How was that? You know, it was good. It's it's definitely a lot different from training camp. The media is only allowed to watch maybe 15 minutes of practice, and it's really when the Bears are just getting into stretching, and then they go into individuals, and then we're out. So it's a really quick trip to Hallis Hall. Today they had the player... Uh, Matt Nagy talked before practice and some of the players, but yeah, it's definitely a lot different from the training camp days. That's for sure. Well, it's still a good experience nevertheless, and you're getting a taste of, I guess, regular season Bears media life, which is pretty damn cool if you ask me. Mason, uh, you were telling us before we went live, uh, kind of a, a longer day on your end, huh? Yeah, uh, kind of peeling back the curtain a little bit. Um, you know, my wife's father passed away. So today was the memorial for that. And I actually wanted to give a little shout out to him. He was a huge Chicago sports fan. You know, he would have been right here watching along with us. So, you know, throw some some bear downs in the chat for him and would really appreciate it. I'm sorry to hear about your loss, Mason. Uh, geez, yeah, you really peel back the curtain because didn't did not know that uh, prior. So I'm certain that made for, you know, a tough day. Words can't describe how that makes anyone got a feel. So uh, I know I'm very sorry to hear about your loss and uh, hopefully going through this show today and talking about Bears Bengals is a little therapeutic for you. 
It is. It really is. You know, and luckily we're talking Bears Bengals and we're not talking Bears Rams because that was rough. So let's move on to better things. Let's definitely do. And uh, so on my end today, uh, I was able to at least see uh, or hear the baby yet again. Today was our 30th week appointment. Uh, So that was really tremendous to kind of hear that heart rate and everything's checking out good. So just a few more weeks and uh, we'll have another little Bears fan here in the world. So super exciting over here. But guys, I want to begin this preview show. Let's start things off with our Opening kickoff. Uh, This is where we each take a second to share our initial quick perception of what kind of opponent we have here in front of us. Uh, So just to start that off for me real quick, I see the Bengals as a young team uh, that is continuing to build some confidence, especially after that win against the Vikings last week. Uh, They weren't really a good team a year ago. I think we all know that, but they looked better, and I believe they showed that with some real confident, aggressive play. And this is a team heading into this week that I believe that believes in themselves, that they can hang in here with the Bears. And again, they're not the best team, uh, but they're not as dangerous as the Rams. They're somewhere uh, in the middle, and they're going to give this Bears team a challenge on both sides of the ball. So that's just kind of my initial uh, takeaway of the Bengals this week. How about you, Nick? Yeah, it's a team that's honestly improving, has a lot of young pieces on offense, and whenever you can get a quarterback to get his favorite receiving option, Jamar Chase, that's always going to be a problem that the opposing team has to worry about. And defensively, they really took one of their biggest weaknesses from last season, that pass rush, and turned it one of, into one of their best strengths so far through one game this season. So it's definitely, you, maybe in past years you saw the Cincinnati Bengals like, all right, you can. This is definitely a winnable game, and you know, for the most part, it's, it is, especially comparing to the Rams. But this is a Bengals team that's, I think, up and coming, and will be a contender in the AFC North. All right, yeah, uh, interesting. I like that a level of analysis there, Nick Mason. How about you? Uh, any takeaways from this team from like a top level overview that you wanted to share to kick off this show? This is a dangerous game for the Bears specifically uh, because coming off a win at the Vikings, the Bengals are feeling themselves. You know, you had their safety, Von Bell, saying they're going to come in, own Chicago. Uh, They have pockets of really talented people. Like, you know, the safeties, for example, are one of the better tandems. Then you look on the offensive side. Obviously, you have Joe Mixon, who led the you know NFL in rushing that last week. They got some great receivers, a young, smart quarterback in Burrow. And then there's pockets that aren't that great. So you really have to be on your A game if you're the Bears or else you're going to end up 0-2. Nick, before we start about our offensive talk, just a quick question for you. Just curious your thoughts. Is it harder to gauge what kind of opponent that's in front of us this week with only one game as a sample size or maybe heading into like week one just with preseason? Because sometimes, at least in my perspective, one game being a sample size is tough because they're only as good or that's one performance and they only played one team and we don't even know like where all those teams are really shaking out yet from a top to bottom perspective. I think it is a tough evaluation because I think week one, a lot of teams can catch the opposing team off guard with what they're expecting and then get maybe something the complete opposite, but you're preparing for a team based off of last year. And now you see whatever, you know, the, the team that's coming into 2021. So is one game sample size, and like I said, the Bengals had a really good pass rush. Is that something that's going to be a continuation throughout the season? We're going to wait and see, and we'll and we'll get a good glimpse of that on Sunday. But it is a tough evaluation because are the bad as bad are the Bears as bad as they looked last Sunday night? Maybe, but we're going to have to wait and see. Absolutely, good stuff there, Nick. Let's jump into our offensive talk here. So on Sunday night, this Bears offense it found itself in opponent territory on nearly. Every drive in this game, uh, they also picked up over 100 yards on the ground and hit on nearly 73% of their throws. 
However, they only have 14 points to show for it. Uh, and we all came to the agreement late Sunday night that on the post-game show that Matt Nagy and his approach was a little too vanilla, and they literally played into the Rams' hands. So to kick off this conversation today, uh, here's a two-part question that we just need to discuss. Uh, what should the Bears do differently this week on offense, and what would you like to see this unit kind of carry over from last week? Because there were some positives. David Montgomery is a positive um, to kind of build off of, but also we need to find out what they need to do differently from an approach uh, to this game and to this game plan. And to start things off, let's just go to Mason. So... When we did our reaction episode after we saw that unfortunate loss to the Rams, obviously all of us were a little down. And, you know, I definitely came in a little hot regarding the blandness of that offense. And I think that's true. It still was not the most aggressive of offenses. And you saw that. But the Rams do make it very difficult to attack downfield. When you go back and watch the tape, you see what they were doing. You know, that just remains to be true. Uh, They really tried... The Bears tried to go vertical a couple of times. Like, for example, in the fourth quarter on first down, uh, Mooney had a double move relatively early on, and Dalton was sacked. So he held the ball trying to get deeper, and it wasn't doable. You know, the Rams tied with Washington, bringing up the fewest pass plays of 20 yards or longer last season, and clearly they've continued that. So when you look at this upcoming game, it's not the Rams. It's the Bengals. They play a lot more one-high defense. You should be able to work down the field more. And also, there should be more press. They won't play as soft as the Rams did at the snap of the ball. If you look at uh, this last game, Moody and Allen Robinson ranked in the top 10 in terms of cushion. So that's really when the ball snaps how far away those defenders are. Mooney at uh, 8.9 and Robinson at 8.2. And Mooney was second in the league with that. But, you know, they were not in the top 10 for separation. So basically, when the ball actually got to the receiver, you know, Robinson had two yards of separation. Mooney was at 2.6. So clearly, the Rams are closing down pretty quickly, trying to keep everything in front of them. So the question is, can you create matchups to get Mooney, Robinson, etc. behind the defense, attack downfield a bit more? And I would love to see more play action. I, I, I've had a hard time remembering too many play action plays, but when you, especially when you had such a good run game going. So that would be really the biggest two takeaways, I would say. Okay, yeah. I I really like the thought that you mentioned uh, play action because one of my keys to success really for the Bears this week is finding a way to run the ball or at least stick with it if it doesn't go according to plan. Uh, The Bengals did a good job of locking up Dalvin Cook by and large. Uh, He did get some decent chunks, but only 61 yards total on the day. But at least when you watch that game, the Vikings did stick with it and they were able to kind of wear down the defense or at least get – a play here and there, and if you set up play action, that's going to allow more time for the receivers to get downfield, as you mentioned, Mason. And if the Bears do it correctly with this Bengals defensive line that is looking a little scary, as Nick, you mentioned, that'll allow the Bears to maybe you know move the pocket a bit for Andy Dalton because he's not going to be able to evade this pressure when they're collapsing the pocket from right in front of his face. So they need to move the pocket, change his launching point, and give that entire route tree time to fully develop so we can take these chances. So that's a really good observation uh, on your end, Mason. How about you, Nick? Is there anything that is a key to success this week for offense or anything that you want to see the Bears do differently compared to last week? I think the biggest thing, and you two really mentioned it, is really the Bears taking their opportunities on those deep shots. Jimmy Graham talked about it in his press conference today. There will be opportunities because of how much Cincinnati plays plays press man defense or just plays that man-to-man defense. Darnell Mooney said the exact same thing. There's going to be opportunities in this game. They don't they don't hide the Bengals what they're doing. They're playing man-to-man, and they just want you to beat them just with those one-on-one matchups. So with that being said, I think what needs to happen in this one is that we just need to see more of those attempts. Mason mentioned one of the opportunities. 
that the Bears tried to hit on one of those deep shots, and I think it ended up in a sack from that mistake by Aaron Donald. But we just need to see more overall, and you're going to intertwine play action do that. Dalton only had two pass attempts between 10 to 20 yards, and that was his longest attempt, the 20-yard marker. And what a 19-yard completion by Marquise Goodwin was the longest play that the Bears had that was a passing play. So the Bears really need to stretch this defense vertically to open up everything else. And the Vikings actually did a pretty good job of attacking the middle of that field for the Cincinnati Bengals defense. So that's what I want to see the Bears do a little bit differently is really just put up the opportunities. Even if you don't hit on the deep explosive passing plays, at least you ha- you're making the defense, the opposing defense, be honest. And that was not the case on Sunday night. The, the Rams knew exactly what the game plan was. They forced you to do it. But the Bears didn't really do much to go outside of what the Rams were maybe uncomfortable with defending because they can definitely do that. So the Bears just need to do a good job of trying to extend the field vertically. But Nick, is that like a naggy thing? Like I get the Rams have a good defense and I get they're taking away the deep ball, but I feel like you should be able to have something in your back pocket to scheme open somebody downfield at least a couple of times in this game or in any game as you look around the league. I don't know if any other offense that did not push the ball nearly as aggressively uh, as the Bears did. I feel like they were by and far and large uh, the most conservative attack, and they had short fields to work with. So I don't know why you wouldn't at least take an opportunity. If Dalton does get that ball picked off, at least it's deep in their own territory. And apparently Nagy was going on as much as he did in fourth down didn't care about starting field position for the Rams anyway. So the more I think about it, the more it didn't make a lot of sense. And that actually brings me to my next point about something I want to see uh, the Bears do differently, and that is take the damn points. Uh, The Bears found themselves in field goal range, uh, you know, all the time last week felt like, and the drive just kept stalling. uh, And when that happened, they tried again on an extra down. Didn't work. The Bears need to find a way to not just be too cute or aggressive here. Take the points. Uh, if you're not playing catch-up by multiple scores, uh, obviously there are game situations where you do need to go for it. But if it's a close game or, heck, even if you have a lead, extend it. Find ways to get on the scoreboard because I feel like, A, you know, that puts up points. Uh, that helps winning football games. But I think it would also instill the confidence in the offense. I'd rather go out there. I'd feel better about myself getting three points and I would – consistently walking off the field on fourth down without any points to show for it. So for me, that's demoralizing. And I want to find Matt Nagy putting this offense in a chance to, I don't know, build that momentum, build some confidence. And by going for it in fourth down consistently and leaving points on the field when you have them and it makes sense to take, I feel like that's just frustrating for the entire unit and not good for the morale of this team. Uh, Nick, I'll go back to you. Anything that you want to see them maybe build off of like a positive last week? I'm going to take – it's going to be both ways. I want to see more Justin Fields, but I don't want to see him in the way that he was being utilized. And some of those non-traditional kind of plays, an inside shovel pass to an Allen Robinson on an end around, like things like that's where you're not – I don't think you're, you're getting the most out of what Justin Fields can actually give you. Yes, on the touchdown run, you definitely are you're utilizing his speed, something Andy Dalton does not have. But he is a capable passer. Matt Nagy talked about that in his press conference. It was so weird hearing him talk about how much value Justin Fields has for this offense, that he's ready, and yet you're putting him in these kind of, you know, very specific type of plays. And, yes, the Bears did game plan to have him a little bit more out there, but the game got away from them. But if he can make some special throws, which Matt Nagy mentioned today, he said he's, what do you say, taking the the heart out of the defense in, in practices 
something along those lines. It's like he's doing everything right. So why is he running the type of plays that you put him in there that you game plan for that you saw on the Rams? So I want to see them use Justin Fields, but differently, I want to see just it just I would capitalize on all the talents that this kid has. So that's what I we hope to see. And I know you two probably agree that we we actually see that come to fruition on Sunday. Yeah, Justin had that real good throw, a good one to start off his night. We had Aaron Donald breathing right down in his face, barreling yeah. down on him, and he hung in there, didn't flinch, and delivered a precise, accurate football that allowed Goodwin to get yards after the catch. So he passed uh, the little you know pop quiz, uh, if you want to call it, that Nagy gave him. Something I want to see this Bears offense build on, uh, and we saw it a little bit is getting Cole Komet more involved in his passing game. Uh, he did have a decent amount of production uh, last week. He had the ninth most targets for any tight end in the NFL. He also had the 10th most yards after catch per reception, 5.2. And Cole Komet's three first downs gained were sixth most at the position. And so for a guy who had a strong second half to the 2020, his rookie year, I thought that was a great 2021 debut for a kid that didn't get a lot of playing time in the preseason. Uh, so I, again, I thought he looked good. He's picking up where he left off. And I would just like to make sure that he does stay involved and they, they don't forget about him or try to, again, outthink themselves because he's dangerous with the football in his hands and he proved that he can be really consistent uh, on Sunday night. And the Bengals, looking at their defense, did give up 10.3 yards per catch uh, to the Vikings side and Tyler Conklin, who caught all four of his targets. So there should be room here for Cole Komet to continue building a case for himself to be a vital part of this offense. How about you, Mason? Anything positive that you want to see the Bears build off of? Keep feeding Monty. That has to be the mantra this whole time. You know, and no offense to Damian Williams. He did actually a decent job when he came in when Montgomery had to go out with that uh, finger hand injury for a bit. And it wasn't too, too bad there. But he's clearly the heart and soul of the team, of this offense, until Justin Fields comes in. And so you have to ride that hot hand. His efficiency was a 2.49, which basically is, you know, taking the total distance a player traveled on rushing plays as a ball carrier um, against per, per yards gained. And that was the best in the NFL. When you add in the fact that his expected rush yards was only four, but his actual rush yards was 41 in some of those runs. Clearly, also, the offensive line wasn't helping out too, too much at times. And he was doing a lot on his own. A lot of instances he was getting hit in the backfield. Uh, one comes to mind, spun off the defender, and then crawled for an extra three, four yards. You know, they the Bears need to continue to help him out, feed him, and then, like we said at the beginning of the show, use that to help your pass game. While, yes, we're becoming a passing league, you know, if you don't have necessarily the tools, whether that be your receivers, whether it be the play calling, whether it be the quarterback, you need to establish the run first in order to open up the field. And I just want to say something because on my mind, there's no excuse to say the Bears don't have talent at wide receiver this year. I oh, think no, you have no. all the speed in the world, and you have all the talent with Allen Robinson being number one. And Goodwin's a real strong number three, if that's what he's supposed to be in this offense. And Mooney at two, as we know. And then even Bird. Uh, he's someone that was real productive last year in New England. And I felt like they didn't do a good job of getting him as involved or as impactful as he could have been a week ago, too. So I don't think it's a talent problem. It's definitely a schematic coaching issue, uh, at least for my opinion, after one game. Uh, let's look at this Bengals defense, though, real quick. Uh, here's a unit, again, coming off a bad year, but looked really improved against the Vikings in that season opener. I just want to know, after you guys were looking at the Bengals, do you have like a specific challenge that you think that they are going to bring to the table that caught your attention, uh, that the Bears are probably game-planning for? And I just want to know what those strengths may be, and then I'll go to you first. 
I think the biggest thing when you look at the what the Bengals defense brings and what's going to bring bring it to Chicago, something I mentioned earlier, is that defensive front that was able to really make life miserable for Kirk Cousins. And I think it did help that they were playing at home because on the very first opening drive for the Vikings, they had, what, I think three false starts due to crowd noise, so being a factor there. But you also have to worry about the guys that they have that are coming at you. So that's going to be the biggest thing because obviously we saw this Bears offensive line go against Aaron Donald, and after watching the film of that game, I was really disappointed in Cody Whitehair's performance specifically. And look, I know it's Aaron Donald, I get it, but there were just some plays where, yeah, Cody Whitehair just did not hold his own. So now you have a Cincinnati Bengals defensive line that has a bunch of different guys like DJ Reader and, and BJ Hill, like think guys like that that can really get after you. And if you're allowing that to happen consistently, look, Andy Dolan can move, and he actually got away from one of the sacks that James Daniels almost let up in the game on, on Sunday night, but he's not going to be able to avoid that much pressure. So that's going to be the biggest thing. And will that Cincinnati front seven dictate what Matt Nagy did? We, we saw exactly that happen mm-hmm. on Sunday night, the short passing game, not going vertical, and that's what I'm kind of worried about. If this defensive front seven for the Bengals has their way with the Bears, does that change Matt Nagy's game plan to see something what we saw similar on Sunday night? Short passes, not getting the points, moving the ball, getting those first downs, but ultimately not getting the points that you want to see. Right. And, you know, Dalton, we know he's not mobile. He did show a couple of plays with his legs on Sunday night, but we all know he's not super nimble in the pocket. And if we want to take those shots on offense, as we talked about, he needs he's going to have to find some time, and he's not someone that can consistently buy it. So the offensive line does need to hold their own against this front seven, which really was my number one takeaway as well. Uh, they had three sacks. They had five total holds called against them last week. I think one of those was taken away due to a penalty, uh, which was one-third of the total holds that they had called against them all last season, already in one game. And their three sacks from that unit already tied their season total from a year ago as well, just for uh, perspective. Uh, They did a good job, too, of rotating guys in. They kept that unit fresh, so I think they're uh, a little deeper uh, than maybe I thought prior to, you know, looking into this team and checking out this matchup. And that line, they were just clogging up running game, uh, running lanes, too. Uh, So it's not just about pass rush. They did a real good job of maintaining their gap integrity and limiting those lanes for Dalvin Cook. He was bottled up between the tackles all game long so that defensive line is a big one and the other one I have and then Mason I'll go to you was just that overall aggressive mentality that I saw that defense play with Uh, they played with pure aggression they smacked that Vikings offense in the mouth and I want to know when this Bears offense gets smacked in the mouth on Sunday do they have the fortitude to fight back or would the pressure be too much would Nagy get too cute and conservative and we did what we did Sunday night and play into their hands I, I know this Bengals defense can be assertive Maybe that makes the Bears offense play in a panic and they can just bully this unit all game long. And if that ends up happening, boy, that's going to be a real rough game to watch yet again. Mason, is there anything that Nick and I haven't hit on uh, that this Bengals defense uh, that you would look at as a strength uh, that you wanted to mention? I mean, you two hit the nail on the head. It really has to be that front seven. I mean, if when you can have Delvin Cook run 20 times and only get 61 yards, I mean, you're doing a pretty good job there i mean that's the vikings they, that's really where they are they run first and then they pass normally you know the the game flow also never really got away from them it was close more or less the whole time so it's not like you know they could have said oh well we were down so much we had to throw i mean they were trying to run they just couldn't do it 
Um, you know, on the other hand, you know, you had Thielen with nine receptions, Osborne with seven, Justin Jefferson with five. So they were able to have their way with, with the passing game, which we'll get into in a little bit. But you, we just got over saying how the Bears need to run the ball, and now we're playing a team that clearly is trying to take away the run. So this is going to be, in theory, be strength versus strength and seeing who wins this. One of my biggest things is, are you going to not just commit to running the ball, but running north and south? You know, I, we talked about this in that last episode. I am so sick of this receiver screen, you know, those weird reverses that didn't work very well. To be fair, you know, if you go back and watch that reverse to Goodwin, I think he actually did have a lane he could have cut up a little earlier. I'm not really sure why he went so far laterally, but that just seems to be what happens. That's coaching. That's something of that nature. If that doesn't work, don't call it. Get north and south because you know the Bengals are going to get north and south with that pass rush and with that rush defense. So you have to go and you have to go north. If you go sideways, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, and with the Bears zone scheme, it's not like they need to push guys, you know, vertically down the field. They just have to open up those gaps a bit and create some of those cutback lanes and reach the second level of someone, get a hat in the head, and you should have enough room for David Montgomery to do David Montgomery things. And that is playing with some serious attitude, strength, speed, you name it. David Montgomery has it all, and I'm excited to see what he can do here this week. Uh, despite the fact that this Bengals front seven is uh, a little bit more fearsome uh, than I maybe I thought, you know, a couple weeks ago. So we talked about play action. Uh, we talked about establishing the run. We talked about not playing into this defensive hands. Nick, is there any other keys to success this week? I think, and Matt Nagy talked about this in one of his press conferences, that sometimes you, you have to go and maybe when you're looking at a matchup, challenge one of the players i think one of the players at the bears if they're looking to get those one-on-one matchups and liking their guy better than the the opposite end is eli apple who kind of had a an up and down day for the cincinnati Bengals. if you put him one-on-one with an Allen robinson a darnell mooney that's the guy that i want to see challenge there i want to see matt Nagy call some plays that really show us that we're going to get that favorable matchup there was a three-play series that he had eli apple where he missed a tackle on third and 24, looking like an Eddie Jackson out there. Uh, and the Vikings were able to convert on that third down. And then Adam Thielen beats Apple in the end zone on an out route and scores a touchdown because of that missed tackle earlier in the in the series. So that's a guy where, yes, he had a rough day. So now I want to see Allen Robinson go up against Eli Apple, and you'll see what Allen Robinson could do. He didn't have – a lot of opportunities where he was running very deep in his routes. If you guys no. saw the next gen stat, yeah, that uh, one chart, route went over ten yards. It, it was it was awful to look at. Let's expand that a little bit. I know the front seven is an issue for you know they they have some players there, but that would be a guy that if you're looking to win that one on one matchup, Eli Apple, Allen Robinson. Let's see what happens there. Mason, do you have either uh, a biggest concern in offense that we haven't hit on by chance? I feel like we probably have hit on all the major concerns, or do you have any final thoughts on this Bears offense in general heading into this game? The only thing we haven't really talked about is the offensive line health, what's happening over there at left tackle. You know, we you haven't Borum's not going to play in this game. It's just not going to happen. Um, Peters might play, but considering he got hurt in the first half of the first game and he's now dealing with a quad is that really who you want out there and we just got done talking about how the Bengals front sevens you know pretty solid can get some good pass rush on there so and we did see in the preseason Elijah Wilkinson got decimated a couple of times like he got put on his butt one time specifically I can think of so what's that going to look like on Sunday because if that offensive line is not where we want it to be 
add in your Matt Nagy, are you going to have some help? Are you going to leave a tight end in? Are you going to have some t- two tight end sets? Because we didn't really see Jimmy Graham. What did he play, like 14, 17 snaps? It was something like that. Um, are you going to leave a running back in a chip? So you, you ought to give some help then, or, or otherwise it's going to be very difficult. All right. By the way, uh, Mason, I know you're a fantasy guy. Is a good fantasy team named Borum to Death? Could we do that one? <laughs> That's pretty good. I don't know how often you actually use an old lineman as one of your uh, fantasy names, but that's not bad. All right, sweet. Nick, any final thoughts real quick on offense before we move over to the defense? The last thing I'll say, and it has to do with play action, maybe the Bears can actually use the Cincinnati Bengals' over-aggressiveness, especially because they got to the quarterback, what, five times, I, I believe, against against Minnesota, if that, or maybe that's yep. how many times Cincinnati There's three was sacked. sacks, but they had a handful of uh, pressures um, as well. So they got to the quarterback a lot. Can they maybe use that to their advantage? Because that's a pass rush that wants to get those, generate those sacks, those pressures. But man, if you incorporate that play action, you can use that strength a little bit as a weakness. Get Andy Dalton out in space and see if he can find, you know, the open receiver. That's the only other thing that I had there. But we'll have to see what Matt Nagy's game plan is for Week Two's matchup against the Bengals front seven. Absolutely. So up next, we'll talk about this Bears defense. Uh, pretty much the same conversation, but now looking at this defense. Strengths, weaknesses, and what the Bengals bring to the table. But before we do, real quick, I want to share a message from our buddies over at Manscaped. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code fan cited 20 inside this package you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer weed whacker ear hair ear and nose hair trimmer crop preserver ball deodorant cop crop reviver toner performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system the weed whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9000 rpm motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system this nose and ear hair trimmer provides propriety skin safe technology so abort hairy balls and buzz light your that woody with manscaped again you can get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com for a tree uh, clean trinity and beyond your space balls will thank you all right, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. We are previewing Bears, Bengals, and we are now moving over to this Bears defense. And to kind of start things off, obviously, Sean Desai's debut didn't go according to plan. He gave up 34 points in a route of Matthew Stafford being the NFC Offensive Player of the Week after his performance in which he set a career-high passer rating. Now, looking at the Bengals, they're not going to bring the same exact level of talent that the Rams did, but they're not nearly, I don't know, they're also not nearly as polished on offense, but they do bring their own sets of challenges to the table this week. And based on how the Bears' defense played, you know, lack of pass rush, poor tackling effort, mental errors, this one isn't going to be a cakewalk. So, guys, I'm curious, what do you believe uh, we should be concerned about with this Bengals' offense? So what is the strength of theirs uh, that you think the Bears' defense it may cause them some fits? And, Mason, let's go to you to kick things off. The biggest strength 
you, you could go to Mixon. That'd be really easy. Obviously, leading the NFL right now in rushing yards, he killed it. But when you look at where the Bears' defenses are, it has to be the talent at this wide receiver core. When you have a Jamar Chase, a T. Higgins, a Tyler Boyd, those are three really good receivers that anyone would love to have. They're explosive. They're big. You know, they can do a little bit of everything. Joe Burrow being as smart as he is in terms of how he gets the ball out. You know, and we don't have a slot corner right now. And that was talked about even this week. There is still a competition between Duke Shelley and Marquis Christian in week two. And one of those guys in the competition, you didn't activate. So that's a huge issue. You know, the great the thing that was nice about that last week, at least, was that Kendall Vildor's name wasn't said. So it's not like he had any bad plays. But is that going to hold up against someone as talented, again, as a Jamar Chase, as a T. Higgins? And so that has to be what looked at in this upcoming game. See, Kendall Vildor, you're right. We didn't really talk about him. And I look back, he only got one target last week. And for Rams offense that was pushing the ball as much as they were and with the talent that they have at wideout, for Kendall Vildor to only be targeted one time I think is a a sneaky, I don't know, good development. And we'll see if it can continue week in and week out. Obviously, Stafford did not want to go his way or he thought it was easier elsewhere. That's what I want to kind of find out. Um, but regardless, I thought Vildor did a decent job in his I'll say debut as a starter. I know he started last year in place of injury, but this is actually him earning the job or holding the job. And Mason, you talked about Joe Mixon, and I agree. I mean, that is a huge strength. And I think specifically what worries me about this Bengals offense with Joe Mixon is that wide zone uh, rushing scheme uh, that they've deployed because they really attacked the edge uh, of the Vikings defense a week ago, getting blockers in front, allowing Mixon to kind of get off the edge and make some big chunks. Uh, He had... Uh, what, 14 rushes off tackle of his 29 total rushing attempts, about half. Uh, and he had 77 yards and averaging 5.5 yards per carry when you're going off tackle. Uh, this allows him to use his speed, uh, ability to break tackles, carve up the defense. And when I'm looking at the Bears defense in general, this is where I'm looking at Robert Quinn as a concern uh, because I think they can and will try to attack him, wash him out of the play. We've seen that that's not too difficult to do. And if the Bears demonstrate the same level of effort in the open field that we saw against the Rams, I feel like the Bengals are just going to kind of keep hammering away, attacking those edges, and getting good chunks with this scheme. Uh, And so that's really my biggest concern right now that I feel like the Bears may not have a complete answer for with this Bengals offense. How about you, Nick? I'm worried about Joe Burrow. That's who I'm worried about because I think when I look at what he did against the Minnesota Vikings, he only had 27 pass attempts, but he had a 9.7 average, which was the fifth most in the NFL in week one. It's also his career high, and we just talked about this Bears defense. They gave up explosive plays, whether that was with communication or just out-scheming Sean McVay, out-scheming Sean Desai, and just opening people up. Those happened. And the Bengals were able to get some explosive plays of their own against the Minnesota Vikings. You had Jamar Chase with a 50-yard touchdown, T. Higgins with a 28-yard play, and then the tight end in overtime clinching basically the game for the Bengals with a 32-yard reception, a play that Joe Burrow audible to. So you see somebody that's only in year two, obviously had his year one and early because of injury, but so much knowledge and poise, and that's just a guy that, if he sees something that the defense has given him, he's going to take it. He's going to capitalize it and make you pay. And Mason was talking about this receiving core. Any team would love to have him. Well, Joe Burrow loves to have these guys. And so if he sees that nickel cornerback position that doesn't even have a starter yet, he'll exploit it. It's his guy. He's going to take advantage of it. 
Yeah, I mean, you hit it, Nick. That was actually my second point, uh, that willingness to take the chances downfield. Uh, you mentioned Burrow's the fifth highest uh, had highest fifth highest average yards per attempt in the NFL last week. Uh, he hit on, uh, I think, eight of his 11 attempts that went at least 10 or more yards down the field, including one touchdown. And with that Bears communication coverage issues as a concern, as we all know, uh, this Bengals is going to test the defense and to see if they clean it up. Because that's what I would do. I'm like, hey, that was atrocious. Let's go see if they figure that out or not. Nope. All right, that's easy money. Or, yep, okay, we'll figure, we'll still plan around it. But there's no reason why they wouldn't test the back end of this Bears defense after what we saw on Sunday night. Uh, and the only other thing that the Bengals are bringing that I want to at least highlight in this capacity is that we may have to defend all four downs. Uh, the Bears did give up one for one on four down attempts last week. Uh, the Bengals went two of three. Uh, I know that Bosch attempt did loom large. Uh, since he did struggle on third down against this Vikings defense last week, three of 14, uh, say 21.4% conversion rate, which was tied for the second lowest. Uh, but the Bears defense was the fifth worst on third down a week ago. So it doesn't give me too much hope that if the Bengals want to give it that extra go, you know, do the Matt Nagy special and go for it on fourth down, uh, that they may end up, you know, staying in the field longer in some of those situations and extending drives. So watching that fourth down and the planning with both these head coaches, uh, to me, is an interesting kind of point uh, to look at right now. So we've already mentioned, you know, a few of the issues on defense that we broke down on Sunday night. And I know it's only one week and we try not to overreact, but it looks so troublesome on almost every level imaginable. Uh, Nick, I'll go to you first. What do you think your biggest concern uh, on defense is heading into week two? My biggest concern is whether or not this Bears front seven, this Bears defense can really get to Joe Burrow. They had one sack on Matthew Stafford. Yes, there were a couple of times where Hicks was up the middle and they had some pressure um, with Mac and Angelo Blackson. But for the most part, Matthew Stafford was comfortable. He found his receivers downfield, way, way downfield. And Burrow got sacked five times, but not all were his fault. So my concern, though, is that can this Bears defense take advantage of that? Can they go up the middle with Akeem Hicks and Bilal Nichols and potentially Eddie Goldman and exploit some of those matchups that are there? But they didn't show it in week one against Matthew Stafford in that Rams offensive line. So that's going to be the thing. I think if you can apply pressure, obviously, on Joe Burrow, again, a guy that he can move. But I would say almost in a similar fashion, maybe like an Andy Dalton, not going to kill you outside of the pocket, right? So that's But that's my biggest concern because I didn't see it. I didn't see it consistently even when that game got away. I just didn't see it prior to that. So that's going to be my biggest concern, whether or not the Bears can at least make Joe Burrow uncomfortable because for the most part, when he has a clean pocket, calm, cool, collective, and like I said earlier, we'll pick you apart. I have some hope uh, that they can get some pressure, and I'll talk about it in a talking point that we have coming up in just a few moments, so stick around for that. Uh, some good stats that may indicate the Bears should be able to do this. Again, keyword is should. Uh, but how about you, Mason? Uh, biggest concern on this defense and why? Your gut visceral reaction might be the secondary, just because of the big plays that were let up, obviously, in that Rams game. I do think, though, that Sean Desai is going to clean some of that up you know, a, a bit, you're going to have some of that was just effort plays. Some of it was knowledge. I mean, the whole learning moment thing that Matt Nagy said is ridiculous. I mean, who doesn't know that you have to touch the receiver when they're down, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I do think though that the biggest problem, because we've seen it more so from year to year over the last couple of years has been that pass rush. Like Nick said, I am so over the excuses for a Mac. I'm so over the excuses or the lack of expectation at this point for Robert Quinn. 
at this, you know, why is Gibson not getting more run on the off the edge? He absolutely should be. He had very few snaps in that Rams game, which is just ridiculous. You know, Mac is not getting double, triple teamed on every single play. He's got some one on ones there. You know, and because that was excused for a long time, like oh, like they're always moving away from Mac. You know, they're always double teaming. They're always chipping him. You know, you look at an Aaron Donald. We saw that he Nessus didn't put up a ton of stats last game, but he made an impact. Like you knew he was there. And the same can be said about pass rushers all across the league. You know, they are also getting double teamed and they're also getting chips and they're still getting home. The secondary cannot be effective if you're not getting pressures. When you only have one sack that is split in half and the half of that sack went to Robert Quinn, which I don't understand how he got half that sack still. I went back and watched that play a couple of times. I don't really even <laughs> think he barely touched him. I don't know why he got that. That was just a gimme. Um, but you can't have plays like that and expect to win the game. So I'm, I'm also putting it right on the pass rush. Yeah, I think we're all looking for more of the same. My biggest concern was lack of just negative plays. Uh, Zero tackles for a loss, one total sack last week for the Bears. Luckily, the Bengals gave up five sacks and seven tackles for a loss last week, so I'm hopeful uh, that the Bears defense can do better here, making some plays behind the line of scrimmage. But if not, uh, I think that's a testament to what kind of defenses Bears they may have right now, more so than the Bengals, because if this Vikings defense can get – Again, 12 negative plays on this Bengals offense. There's no reason why the Bears can't at least start to get some of those and put them in our favor, get some momentum, and get this Bengals offense playing from behind the sticks, which should really help get this Bears defense off of the field. So that's my biggest concern is the lack of the negative plays, and I'm somewhat hopeful uh, that they can turn it around. Uh, and I know we've talked about it. Sean Desai, he's looking for better results in his second game as defensive coordinator. Nick, put on your you know defensive coach hat here. Uh, if you were Sean Desai, how would you game plan to slow down the Bengals? What does that look like? I think it really does start with stopping Joe Mixon. And I think that's obviously easier said than done, being the leading rusher currently um, after one week. But the Bears did do a good job of limiting the Rams, right, in that first half. Seven carries for 12 yards. So they eliminated that aspect of the Rams' offense. Still, they were able to put up points and get the explosive play. So it doesn't even mean that if the Bears are successful in that regard that they will win the game, right? So, But I think that helps. And you know that just from talking with Jay Morrison, the, the Bengals beat writer for The Athletic, about what the Bengals are trying to do this season – you're going to see a little bit more of 12 personnel. You're going to see a little bit more of those heavier kind of packages, and you're going to see Joe Mixon run the ball. 29 carries, 121 yards. So the Bears need to be prepared for that. So if I'm Sean Desai, you have to do your best to try to mitigate what the, the effectiveness of the run. You're not just going to take it away in all of it. It's just not possible. But if you can limit two, three yards a gain and not give up those, those bigger type of runs, you're going to put yourself – ahead of the chains and a potentially a way to get off the field on three or like you were mentioning earlier, will Zach Taylor is a very aggressive head coach will go for on fourth down. So you need to do your part on first down, but I think it really does go to trying to mitigate the effectiveness of this running game. And Joe Mixon, who is a very elusive guy. I think the only guy that was more efficient with yards after contact was David Montgomery. Mm -hmm. Joe Mixon was number two. So you have to keep that in mind when you're talking about tackling, yep. which we know is an issue for the Bears team. And that's I think it all starts with trying to stop the run if I'm Sean Desai. I'm, I'm glad you said it because with how Joe Mixon ran a week ago, if Sean Desai has not been 
hammering this whole defense for you know improved effort on tackling in general. I mean, we're in uh, for a long afternoon. Uh, so you looked at the running back. I do think getting pressure on Joe Burrow is going to be very important. Uh, he didn't look super comfortable with that knee just yet in terms of moving around. There were times where he looked, I don't want to say gingerly on it, but you can tell just not as aggressive with some of his cuts and moves inside of the pocket. Not as mobile as he was uh, a year ago yet pre-injury. Uh, just a little limited in that mobility. Burrow was sacked on 45.5% of the pressures allowed by the Bengals, which was the highest percent in the league last week by a real good margin. Uh, for comparison's sake, Justin Herbert was second, uh, and his was a sack on every 35% of pressures allowed. Uh, that means about, at least for the Bengals last week, uh, one out of every two pressures allowed turned into a sack. So that gives me hope that the Bears' defense, if they can get into this backfield, if they can get into the pocket and condense it, they can hit home. Uh, and I mentioned, again, 45.5. What was Duro pre-injury last year? That was only at 22%. Uh, so for more context about him, maybe not being able to evade some of this pressure like he did a year ago. Again, it won't be the end-all, be-all. Uh, he was still very good under pressure, like when he was able to throw that ball. So those plays that did not turn into sacks, uh, he had the third highest completion percentage, uh, the eighth best pass rating while under pressure. But I do think getting into him, Getting those negative plays are going to help on drives and helping this secondary a little bit as well. So that's still a big key for me this week. How about you, Mason? What would your game plan look like, or at least a, you know, a piece of it? My game plan is make Joe Burrow beat me. So I am taking away the run. You know, I'm doing whatever I can to absolutely hold Joe Mixon uh, to as little yards as possible and say, all right, Joe Burrow, do your thing. Can you beat? Because if you can do that, if you can take away Mixon and force him into more passing situations, you can pin your ears back a little bit more if you're the pass rush. And at the end of the day, just the, how the Bears are currently set up you know, today, the way we're looking at them, they just don't have the personnel to depend on your secondary. And so you just can't really get in a shootout in that fashion. So if you can, again, like, like Nick was saying, if you can really limit that, which is going to be difficult, especially like you said, Will, you know, they run that outside zone scheme. I look back to the preseason and uh, there was that one Bills run to the outside where Quinn was tripping on himself, right? And then Eddie Jackson would, mm -hmm. came up to make the tackle or lack thereof and Devin Singletary just waltzed into the end zone. That play can't happen on Sunday, right? Take away the run, make Joe Burrow beat you, who... So far, we haven't seen enough of that. I don't think the Bengals have really done enough in their offseason. Honestly, that was amazing when they you know, drafted Jamar Chase. I think everyone was more or less blown away that they didn't take Penny Sewell. That he was mocked to the Bengals forever because their O-line's terrible. They just traded Billy Price away to the Giants, I believe, who's actually starting now for them. So who knows how that's going to go. But yeah, make Joe Mixon an afterthought. All right, yeah. And again, you talked about the edges. Uh, I think their ability to seal the edge as well as they did last week, still a huge concern. Robert Quinn and really Marquis Christian, the linebackers need to get to that spot and they need to be able to you know, really help in run support as well. Let's jump over to special teams. Nick, is there anything in the third phase worth discussing? I, I don't know if there's any discussion-worthy material. I feel like there's maybe you know bullet points we can hit on, but I don't have much. I think the big thing is, are we going to really see Cairo Santos get that opportunity to get <laughs> field goals? Bullet talking, yeah, it's like you you mentioned it. Will like take the points? Well, what's what's it going to be this this time? Is Matt Nagy going to look on the other sideline, seeing um, you know the Bengals head coach going going for on fourth downs and try to imitate that because he went over for against the the Rams on Sunday night? I don't know, but I think that will obviously be something to keep an eye on and seeing how Khalil Herbert continues 
to improve as a kick returner. He had an amazing start to his NFL career. And now let's see how he can build off of that. Okay. You took my only bullet, added an additional Mason, anything worth adding? Matt Nagy seemed when he rarely adjusts because there's not a lot of adjusting going on half the time. But when he does, it seems like he really shifts the other end of the spectrum. So he was, you know, super aggressive, fourth down, we're going to go for it. This is a shootout. We need all the points we need. I would not be surprised, like Nick said, that he kicks almost everything that he can. It's like, you know, no, I can, we can kick the ball. Don't worry. And then you, you worry, like, is there going to be a fourth down where it does make sense? You had a fourth and one, you know, the momentum's still on your side. Should you go for it? Maybe don't throw a slant route at Jalen Ramsey. You know, that, that probably would be a bad call when you do that um, in order to really, you know, push it. And, you know, you know me, I'm always on the Herbert hype train. I think I'm super, super really excited to see what he can do. I would love to see him get some run on offense just because I feel like the back he is is a little different than what Damian Williams can bring. I think he'd be a little bit similar to Montgomery. Um, but maybe we'll actually see some more kick and punt returns this game because we really didn't get really any, obviously, punt returns because you barely forced the Rams to kick anything. So we have no idea what Nassimbo looks like. You know, he hit one where he's got swarmed. So that was about all. Yeah, I think the Bears brought in the left footed punter to kind of get them prepared that's the like the, if i wanted to add one myself i don't remember the guy's name but just to get you know nasimba some experience because the ball does fly a little differently and has different rotation with someone punting off their left foot compared to the right so hey i thought that was a interesting uh and wise decision i don't know if it was like a Tabor thing or what but uh i thought that was pretty cool when i saw that come across my timeline but guys let's jump into our X-Factors uh, this week. So offensive X-Factors, I believe one of my key X-Factors this week is going to be getting these running backs involved uh, in the passing game. Uh, Damian Williams and David Montgomery, because Nick, you mentioned it. Can we take advantage of the aggressiveness of this defense and the defensive line? And I think some of that can be misdirection with the running backs. Uh, some of those, you know, uh, slip screens to the opposite side of the formation. If we can really sell it one way and dump it off to a Williams, dump it off to a Monty in open space on the other hash mark, we should be able to get some real fun chunks and some good gains off of them uh, so finding a way to you know i was wondering how can we take advantage of it and i think this works uh, i know the wider receiver bubble screen's not going to work so well the shovel pass isn't going to be it so may as well try some running back screens and see what we can do and that's what i think we brought damian williams in to do or at least be you know a big strength of his and element he brings to the table uh, so i would love to see that kind of come to fruition take advantage of that and get some easy yards due to the you know the defensive line getting out of assignment, losing some of that uh, integrity, getting sucked into Andy Dalton, and getting some easy yards for these backs. So that's going to be my X-Factor on offense. Nick, how about you? Yeah, so this week it's going to be the score. The score is going to be the X-Factor because I think in a close game, you get to keep David Montgomery involved. He had only 16 carries for the entire game, and yes, he went out due to injury, but if this game is close, I think you still see David Montgomery being heavily utilized in the second half, which was non-existent against the Rams last Sunday. So I think if that, the game is a close one between the Bears and Bengals, going into the fourth quarter, you have your most productive offensive player being a part of your game plan still and being able to rush the football and commit to that plan because we know and we've seen far too often when this game goes one way or the score is in the other team's favor, the run game becomes non-existent. Matt Nagy has shown us that. He's not really willing to commit to that aspect of his offense because he for some reason thinks that hey we can pass our way to get back into this game so the x factor just a score if the bears can keep it close i think david montgomery becomes the focal point and he should be the focal point 
of this entire game plan going into week two. I like it. Well said. Mason? My X factor is going to be the number five. Number five, because that is the minimum number of explosive plays that the Bears need to have in order to win this game. And that can be a mix of run or pass. But of those five, at least two of them need to be through the air. So there's two plays that go 20-plus yards, which you wouldn't think is a lot to ask. But when you look at this team, it is a lot to ask. (laughs) So if they can do that, if they can have between David Montgomery – um, maybe if they bring in, you know, Damian Williams or Aquila Herbert on one of those screens, because a lot of times those can become large plays if blocked up correctly. You know, and also if they can actually attack downfield a little bit more, I don't think five should be, and I think the term is should be, a big request. All right, well done. Uh, let's look at our defensive side and those X factors, and let's go in reverse order. So, Mason, you're up first. My defensive X factor is going to be Roquan Smith specifically, because like I said, I need to stop the run. That run game cannot happen. So Roquan's going to have to plug those holes. And he's always going to have to be able to have his keys right. Because we saw in that last week that Burrow was able to check some plays. They were able to use that tight end a lot. And the tight end was able to be his safety blanket a couple different times. So can Roquan be true to his key, attack fast, close down those rushing lanes? Or if he sees that it is a pass play, get back in coverage so that Burrow doesn't have that safety blanket available. All right, cool. So we can save some time because you took mine. I literally have Roquan Smith, Bears gap integrity, and avoidance of cutback lanes was my number there one bullet. Go. So you hit on all three of those. Well done, sir. Nick, what's going to be your X factor on defense? I think it has to be whoever is playing nose tackle in this game because we don't know really who, if Eddie Goldman's going to be good to go with not practicing in today's practice. But against Trey Hopkins, I think when you looked a lot where this pressure that the Bengals led up where it came from, it was really in the interior where I saw a lot of where the Minnesota Vikings had a lot of success. So is that going to be Bilal Nichols this game? There were, you know, at times when that Rams game where you're like, man, you wish you had an Eddie Goldman instead of Bilal Nichols, who's a bit bigger, who can take on those double teams. But I think if you do have a mixture of Angelo Blackson, who after rewatching the game, Angelo Blackson had a really good game, you guys. So I want to see him more in the mix. Maybe a Bilal Nichols. And obviously if Eddie Goldman can go, But if you can go against number 66, Trey Hopkins, their center, and win those one-on-one matchups, man, that's the best way to get that pressure on Joe Burrow, especially a quarterback like Joe Burrow. So that's going to be my X factor. Whoever's playing the nose at whatever rep and whatever whatever part of the defensive series, if they can win those one-on-one matchups more times than not, then I think that leads the entire defense to have success. Absolutely. Keeping that pocket as shallow as possible uh, with Burrow looking, you know, so again, trying to avoid that contact. So he's not going to step up uh, the same way. He does have the arm talent where he doesn't need to step into a throw, unlike an Andy Dalton who does. Uh, so that would be, uh, that's really good though. Uh, X Factor, Nick, I'm ready to kind of take that next step. And let's look at some of those backbreaker matchups of the week. So uh, Nick, did you have offense or defense last week? Uh, I totally forgot to check. Uh, and I want to make sure you and Mason alternate. Do you remember? have no idea and i don't even have anything down so so it doesn't matter you can give me whatever and i'll think of one right here on the spot cool mason do you remember (laughs) (laughs) i think i did defense so take offense let's just do it go ahead (laughs) offensive backbreaking matchup so it's who i'm gonna say it's gonna be darnell mooney against whoever is and it's gonna be guardian at the end of the day all i should be on Allen robinson and as a number one wide receiver. 
So I, Darnell needs to be able to help take the top off the defense a little bit. And yes, they have, you know, the Marquis Goodwins of the world. You know, they have Demir Birds, who are there, there for their speed as well. But there's a reason that Mooney is wide receiver too, right? He's the one that's going to have to not only take the top off the defense, but also be there as... I said before for tight ends for Joe Burrow, potentially as that safety blanket for some of those quick routes that he can run. You know, we all know that there's at least one wide receiver screen coming, so it's probably is it going to go to him. Uh, can he take that wide receiver screen and hopefully not have a Demir Bird blocking for him? Maybe have someone slightly larger there. You know, can he make the most out of the touches he gets, and can he get some more down the field work? Because if you can do that, right, that game opens up a lot. Open up those passing lanes for an Allen Robinson and also opening up the rushing lanes for a David Montgomery. Really good. My offensive backbreaker matchup real quick, uh, Trey Hendrickson versus left tackle. Uh, we'll see who, you know, left tackle insert player here come Sunday afternoon, but uh, Hendrickson didn't have any sacks last week, uh, even though the Bengals got a few, um, but he did lead the team with pressures and he did get two holding calls drawn as well. So I feel like he's going to cause that left side of the Bears offensive line some fits. Uh, so, and they, as we learned Sunday night and as we've known for ever. Uh, if we don't have a strong play out of our left tackle, uh, the whole offense is going to suffer for it. So, Nick, I'll go to you now officially. Uh, defensive back, back breaker is go. Going to be Jamar Chase versus, I guess, wherever he lines up. But I'll say Kendall Vilder. That's a guy that we didn't talk about, right? We didn't talk about him at all really much last game. And if he has a bad game, does it does it really kill what the defense wants to do? You're, I don't know if you're really expecting Kendall Vilder to go and play outstanding, but – you can't do much. You have to roll your safeties over, safeties that showed they were pretty inconsistent last week. And that, I think, changes maybe what Sean Desai really wants to do is put these players in the best position. But if you have somebody that's consistently getting beat, Jamar Chase had 101 yards, a 50-yard touchdown like we mentioned earlier, that's someone you have to account for. So, And he will line up on different sides of the field. But where he caught that 50-yard touchdown, that's going to be the side that Kendall Vildor is going to be playing. So I'll say him. Can I add in uh, Jamar Chase versus Kendall Vildor and or the Bears safeties? Because they're going to need some help yeah. over the top. Absolutely. So and we we didn't see them. They they lacked the the basics of touching people down. Now you have to now you have to play coverage. Oh no. So it's gonna be, I think, a tough task for, you know, a guy that already has shown that he belongs in this league and Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow have that connection, obviously, from college. Yeah, I just realized that was another missed touchdown from Eddie Jackson because he had so many last year. Uh, different phrasing, but it was a missed touchdown uh, as well. See, <laughs> really thinking things through over here. I uh, appreciate the time, guys. Uh, let's go ahead and find out, though. It's time to find out who has the edge here in week two. And Mason, sir, you're up first. We have the Bears running attack on offense versus that Bengals run defense that bottled up. Dalvin Cook, but the Bears and David Montgomery, as we know, did a pretty good job uh, against the Rams. So this is a real intriguing one that I, I knew I had to give it to you. So I'm a little biased on this because, you know, as a Bears fan watching, you know, whenever we play the Vikings, it seems like they always have an opportunity and do relatively well bottling up a Dalvin Cook. So I am just don't love what the Vikings do with their rush game. I think it's pretty one-dimensional, and I think Dalvin Cook is – He's good, but he's, he's re- again, also relatively one-dimensional. When you bring in a David Montgomery, who is consistently leading the league in broken tackles, he did that all through college. He continues to do that. You know, he continues to be a guy that fights for those extra yards. The Bengals' newfound rushing defense is new. You know, we've seen one game of that. 
I'm going to put my stock in something that I've seen more consistently, which is David Montgomery being able to just make yards out of nowhere and also an offensive line that showed some solid push at times and was able to create those rushing lanes. All right. So that's exciting. We're starting off better than we did last week. So this is definitely a positive. Uh, Nick, I'll go to you, though. The Bears passing attack versus that Bengals pass defense with that defensive line, the safety duo. Oh, boy. Who has the edge? I'm going to give it to the Bengals. Um, I know that the Bears are playing at home. And I think even when you look at the Bears, they were able to move the ball. But like we were talking with Jay Morrison from The Athletic on Meet the Opponent episode, their defense is very – they have a good front seven, but there's really not many weaknesses, right? So unless they can exploit that matchup with Eli Apple and the Bears, you know, were very limited in having success in the passing game against a very, very good Rams defense, it, that's going to be like the one way they can open up things for this offense. So I'll give this – I think it's a slight edge too because I think the Bears offense is going to look better on Sunday at Soldier Field. I'll give a slight edge to the Bengals here. All right. Still better than last week with a slight <laughs> edge. <laughs> well, it was pretty much whole one-sided uh, a week ago. So this, things are good. Things are good. Uh, Nick, right back to you, though. Bears run defense versus that Bengals rushing attack. It's, it's supposed to be the strength of the Bears and obviously one of the greatest strengths that the Bengals have here. <sighs> I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this one to the Bengals as well. Uh, look, I know that for the most part they bottled up what the Rams are doing in the rushing attack, but I don't think the Rams are they weren't looking to beat the Bears in the ground game. They knew they can pass all over them. And that's what and that's what they shown the Bengals. Like I was saying, they they they're gonna use more twelve personnel. They're going to attack those edges. They're gonna get some nice rushing lanes up the middle. And without Eddie Goldman again, possibly yep. that really influences my decision here. So I have to go with the Bengals again. All right. Uh, I was very close on that one personally, too. Uh, that was a tough one. I think that would be an interesting battle to see unfold because the Bears can show that it was a good run defense or they can show that it was a fluke. I and mean, the Bengals can just prove that they can really run the football, too. Uh, so there's a lot, of, not at stake, but a lot to be learned here on Sunday, I think, in that regard. Uh, Mason, over to you to wrap things up. That Bears pass defense, uh, you know, really trying to turn things around versus that Bengals passing attack. And again, I know you're new to the preview, so we do take in, you know, a pass rush into consideration here, not just the secondary. Yeah, you just named two things I'm not confident in the Bears. The pass <laughs> rush and also the secondary, so that doesn't help. Well, uh, it's, <laughs> it's the Bengals for sure. It's uh, With the pass rush specifically, it's proved, you got to prove it to me. They haven't proved it to me in a while. And when it comes to the secondary, that was just so bad yesterday. While early in the show, yes, I do think it's going to be cleaned up. Like, that's still really rough. That's a big bounce back to now all of a sudden expect him to go against some pretty high-level receivers that, that they have there. And while, yes, Joe Burrow is only in his second year, his first year was cut short, of course, there's a reason why he was the number one pick when he was. So I don't think you... Again, this is a whole prove. Prove it to me. Prove that you can actually defend anybody. Because right now, I wouldn't let you defend my lunch. <laughs> All right, well done. So up next, we're going to do some quick predictions. Uh, you know, doing some over under, bold predictions. Who's going to be the MVP, and of course, our game pick and confidence meter. But real quick, Nick and I got some shipments this week, huh? We got some Chicago Audible shirts. I got a hat in. Do you like the stuff, Nick? I know you're real eager to see what the shirts look like in person. 
Yeah, and you know, I mean, they just fit great and they look good. I my, I gave uh, the shirt that we got for my girlfriend. She she was wearing it the other day. She really likes it. So if you don't have your Chicago Audible gear, one, what are you doing? And two, you need to go on chicagoaudible.com slash shop and look. It, there it is. There's a great graphic, just some of the products that we have there. But definitely check it out because this is comfortable. And, of course, you look good in it. I don't know about as good as, as I do in it, but – you can wear it too, and then, and we know Mason has a bunch of gear as well. So definitely check it out, ChicagoAudible.com slash shop. There we go. Now we're all rocking some Chicago Audible gear here. Uh, I love you know the Fifty Shades of Navy we got going on though. Oh, I know. <laughs> but no, it does uh, supporting the show via our merch is a really cool way uh, you know to show that support and also help spread the word of our show. You know, sparks up a conversation. I think Mason brought up that point a few weeks ago. And, you know, even walking around here in Bloomington, Indiana with my Chicago Audible hat, I had someone say, Chicago Audible, and because they go to school at IU and are from Chicago, and I was able to mention the show. Uh, so it's a really cool uh, way to do it. And I know in the past we asked for donations. This is a way that, you know, you get something in return uh, as well. So definitely check out chicagoaudible.com slash shop if you can. But guys, it's time to, you know, we talked about offense, defense, matchups, keys to success, but let's predict what's actually going to happen here come Sunday afternoon. And I want to begin by playing some over-under. And again, these odds do come courtesy of our sportsbook partner, BetUS. Uh, you can sign up today for a 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS.com with our code chicago one two. Five And by the way, I know I told you before we went live, you hit the parlay last week, all three over-unders. Uh, I know you all came to an agreement, and if we would have put money down, we would have won a decent chunk of change because you got them all right. So let's keep up that momentum, and here's your first over-under. And I'm going to give you 32.5 yards of receiving for Cole Komet. I, I know. I, I'm going exotic uh, each and every week. I'm going to really test you guys. So, Nick, I'm going to go to you first because you look a little panicky. 32.5, just seeing what he had last. He had 42. I'm going to go over 32.5. I think he'll be in that, that 40 or 50 range again this week. All right. Mason, how about you going to hammer the uh, over with Nick? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't really have a lot of confidence in the Bengals secondary as a whole. They're very patchwork, and Eli Apple's been rough for forever. And then the same thing with the linebackers. They, you know, they're not a lot of household names. Uh, not just that they're not household names. They haven't played that great either. Uh, Cole Komet should really be able to take advantage of most of the matchups they're going to throw at him. All right. Uh, the second over-under, 1.5 touchdown surrendered to Joe Burrow. You're going to take the over or under? Nick. 1.5 surrender to Joe Burrow there. I think it's going to be over. I think um, we were talking about everything that Joe Burrow can do. And, and show me. Like Mason was saying, show me that this pass rush can get home. Because if it can't, then it'll be over. So I'm going to take the over on this one. Mason? Over. The the receivers are just so skilled. It, it's ridiculous. I mean, Jamar Chase is amazing. You know, he, the, the things that he can do and um, the fact that he's a, currently a rookie doing that, he looked really good on Sunday. Uh, he can now apparently see the football. I mean, game over <laughs> now that he's actually, he has the gift of vision. All what right. Gift <laughs> it sure is. You know, I can see, I can catch. I, I get it. Uh, guys, I saved my favorite for last year, at least this week. Uh, over under 3.5 field goals scored total in this game between both teams combined. I thought that was an interesting odd. Uh, so I want to see where you guys come up with it. Let's go to Mason first. We're going to see 
uh, over or under 3.5 field goals? Uh, under because it doesn't match well with my, what my prediction is for the score to have it be over. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I appreciate the honesty and a little bit of a tease. So that's, that's always fun. Nick? We have two coaches that, one, showed they like to go for on fourth down. One was more successful than the other. So I'm going to go under for the field goal, uh, 3.5 there. So maybe if it was another matchup, they would work. But I thought this was going to be, Will, like an over-under Justin Field appearances. I was like, ooh, ooh I, was getting, I was like getting hyped up because I, I have no idea what I <laughs> yeah, would I can put add there. Here. But... I'll add another one. I'll pull a number uh, out of the air real quick. Over-under, 6.5. Uh, Justin Fields' appearances. Go, Dick. I'm going over. I think Matt Nagy wants to use him however which way he does, but I think we're going to see more Justin Fields this game because he should be out there, not because it's like like he needs to do it. He should be out there because he's ready. All right, Mason? I'm going to say the the under, just to be a little contrarian here. Um, it's... It's one of those things where I just can't peg where Nagy is on this because you hear what Nagy says. You hear what Bill Lazor said. You know, they asked yeah. – Bill Lazor was asked a question. He said, well, I think during the preseason or right after the preseason that Justin Fields could have been going. And it's like, so then why isn't he playing? And it's just like – it seems like that everybody in the Bears organization besides two people want him to be playing. And with that, I almost feel like Nagy has to control the narrative a little bit, control the hype because if you let him go out there too much – is it going to force his force his hand? Because heaven forbid, if Justin Fields plays more than four plays, one of which is a dumb reverse and a shovel pass. Um, I don't know how much he's going to let him off the leash. Because otherwise, it's just like maybe you might as well just play him. Yeah, that's a good point there, Mason. I'm going to go back like two minutes. I would have taken the over on the field goals. By the way, <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a lower scoring game, and they're going to appreciate the points that they may have. Uh, coming their way and take some of those chances. Just wanted to at least get my two cents on that one because I was surprised uh, that you both hammered the under on it. Uh, but let's jump into our bold predictions. And I'm curious to kind of start off this segment. Do we need to make these more reasonable bold predictions? Because I've seen that comment a couple times, and I felt like we've been doing this show for seven years, and everyone's used to have fun with this being a, a little bit more of like a bold segment. Like we're just going out there and seeing what we can hit. And we've hit on a few. Um, but do I, I was curious your thoughts, Nick, like, do we need to tailor it back or do we just kind of stick to our own, you know, selves here? Cause I like to be creative and out of the box with these. Yeah. It's always fun to do that. I know. And I think in the post game show, like Nick, didn't you say that the bears defense is going to get three interceptions? I did. I did say it was realistic. You know, it was a bold prediction that clearly was way off, but for this one, for this specific game, I did go more in the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll say we'll do game by game, like how it, how it goes, and who cares? Pick by pick. It's a exact. It, my bold prediction. It's a bold this, prediction. That's it's not a normal that. prediction. Yeah, that's true. Like, true. Do we need but to make a bold, normal pred- prediction segment? Maybe, maybe we have to just to just so we don't go, go don't get heckled in the comments. But bold prediction for this game. It's bold for this offense. The Bears will have three explosive plays in the passing game. They didn't have any, you guys, in week one. Now they're going to have – apparently they're going to jump it up to three. But um, I think what this – it's not the Rams defense for one. And I think that the Bears are looking to really 
stretch the, the field vertically. You heard it in what Jimmy Graham was saying in his press conference. You heard it from Darnell Mooney. And I think deep down Matt Nagy doesn't – I don't know if that's really him. What we saw in week one, if it is, then it doesn't even matter if Justin Fields comes in because that is a game plan that's not going to win you many games in terms of moving the field vertically. But three – Three explosive passing plays for my bold prediction. It's not the strongest one for sure. I've definitely had better ones, but you know it's bold for this offense from what we saw in week one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm going to go super ultra Pacific. For Pacific? No, I, I live closer to the Atlantic. Specific <laughs> for this one. And my bold prediction for week two is Allen Robinson is going to get two catches for 20 or more yards, and that is air yards. One of each quarterback, so one from Dalton, one from Fields, and two total touchdowns on the game. Uh, both of which, uh, unfortunately, would come from Andy Dalton, I think, for this one specifically. Um, but that's going to be my bold prediction. Again, getting as ultra-specific as I possibly could. Mason, uh, to cap things off, what's going to be your bold prediction for this week? I'm surprised you didn't also say which end zone he was going to score in and then like where he was going <laughs> to run with the football after he, after he scored it. Like, geez. Uh, I have two bold predictions because I couldn't decide which one I liked more. So I have one for offense, one for defense. Uh, so for offense, going off of my X-Factor Darnell Mooney thought process, he's going to triple his yardage from last week, which was only 26, and go for 80 yards receiving and a touchdown. Thought process, again, just being that I just I feel like he – if you let him take the top off the secondary, and we talked, I talked earlier about how the Bengals play a lot of one high safety, that there's opportunity for that. And mm-hmm. so if you are focusing on A-Rob, if you have, you know, maybe Goodwin, you know, taking something, streaking down the field, taking some of the, uh, the looks off of Mooney, that he could really have a game. My defensive one, and this is where it's not as likely, but I think Kindle Vildora gets two PBUs, which would double the entire Bears defense from last week, and an interception. I like them both. I think your one on Mooney is a real good one. The Bengals gave up three receivers. I think they allowed them each to have 70 or more yards. So the Bears should, between Goodwin, Mooney, and Robinson, have good chances of doing so if everything we talked about at the top of the show ends up coming to fruition and panning out uh, with some of the keys to success on offense. Um, So we did bold prediction. Who's going to be the MVP? I think it's going to be Allen Robinson for this game been talking about all the opportunities this Bears offense should have the one-on-one matchups who do you want getting most of those one-on-one matchups someone that's proven he can exploit them and take advantage of them it's Allen Robinson and he wasn't like the route tree that he ran last week that's not who he is that's not what all he's capable of he's definitely much more than that so I'm going with Allen Robinson being the guy that when the Bears look hopefully for a victory or whatever it may be, it's going to be because of him. And I've seen Andy Dalton and him connect in training camp. I know they have developed a connection. We didn't really see much of that in, in Sunday night's game against the Rams. So I think we really start to see what started in the summer and the off season come to play here at Soldier Field on Sunday. Right on. Mason, I want to go over to you, but I have a feeling, based off of our conversation today, we have the same exact player, but I'm curious. You got Roquan Smith? I do have a Roquan Smith. Yeah, I knew you had. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us why Roquan Smith will be the MVB. I already know, so you can just tell Nick and catch him up. Okay, so Nick, this is the reason why. Just listen here real quick. So first of all, listening to Roquan Smith mic'd up just got me super hyped on him. So that was the beginning of this hype train. Uh, Just like the the way he takes over the game, the way he's leading out there. But 
if you're going to win this game, and we, we all three of us have said this, you've got to take away Joe Mixon. You have to be important in that run game. And the person that's going to stand out the most is the one making a lot of those tackles, which is going to usually be the linebacker flowing in. Take also into consideration that he does have to drop back into pass coverage, and he's going to have to take away the tight end. He may have to help with the crossing you know, receiver. He's going to be potentially someone that's to be sent on a blitz to get after Joe Burrow, depending on what the side wants to do this game. He has to just be all over the field. And we saw that a lot last year. And we haven't, we didn't see, he did well in the game. It's not like he was an issue why they lost against the Rams or anything, but it wasn't necessarily that he took over. So for the, so for the Bears to have as impactful of the defense as we're thinking they could have and to be able to shut down the players they need to, it has to be Roquan Smith. Couldn't have said it better myself, Mason. Well done. Uh, so I don't need to give mine uh, in terms of insight, but I do also believe it's going to be Roquan at the end of the day. So with that, it's time to figure out who's going to win. Uh, Nick and I are 1-0 in the year. Mason, uh, you're 0-1, but uh, I still respect uh, what you're going for last week. I don't have my leaderboard graphic ready yet, but I'm hoping to unveil that next week on the show. Uh, so with that, who's going to win? And I want to go to Nick first. Because I'll give you top priority right now since we're both one to know and I just want to delegate. Man, I've been picking the Bengals to win a lot of these, you know, who has the edge mm-hmm. and all this stuff. I mean, you know, Joe Burrow, I'm really worried about. But I do have the Bears winning this game. Twenty-three to twenty at Soldier Field. I think they show up at home, this fan base, whether it boos Andy Dalton or not, depending on how he plays, I think they will rally behind this team. Like I was saying, the offense was able to move the ball against the Rams. I think it looks better in this game. I think the defense plays to its capabilities and doesn't allow these explosive plays. Correctable mistakes. They're going to correct those correctable mistakes in this matchup against the Bengals. And so that's why I think they'll win 23-20 to in a close game that keeps David Montgomery involved, like I was saying earlier. All right, I like it a lot. I also have the Bears winning a close matchup. My final score, I went unorthodox, 25-24. I don't know if that would be a score gami or not. I do want to check now that I thought about it here on the show. I'm not going to strain this internet anymore uh, than I need to (laughs) right now. But I believe, like you said, Nick, the Bears will, I think they'll just find a way to win this one. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be pretty. Uh, I'm sure there are going to be moments that are going to have us, you know, at the edge of our seat. Uh, biting nails, ripping your heart out. You know, every, every, a typical Bears game, uh, honestly, uh, when you put it that way. But I do think they'll find a way to pull it out due to the fact that we're going to have fans at Soldier Field in a regular season capacity for the first time uh, since 2019 season. So I think that's going to have a lot of impact, just like what we saw in Cincinnati uh, a week ago, like we saw against the Bears in L.A. Like, that atmosphere means a lot. And I think the guys will feed off of it and – That should just be the difference maker come the end of four quarters. But it will be close, uh, as you mentioned. Mason, you're going to try to get a game back up on us? You have a chance. (laughs) I've been saying all show, prove it to me. And I'm going to say the same thing to the Bengals. They need to prove to me that they are truly the team we think they could be. We know they're up-and-comers, but you still have to learn how to win. And as of right now, we've seen that with the Bears consistently, especially 2019-2020, They've been a middle-of-the-road team. They beat the teams that they should beat. They lose to the teams that you usually are like, yeah, they probably are going to lose that game. And right now, just looking at it at face value, the Bears are better than the Bengals. Just pure face value as of right now. A long term, by the end of the season, I think we might be saying that the Bengals could be better. But as of right now, I'm still more high, a little more high in the Bears. So therefore, I have the Bears winning 28-24, to 24, 
and I will unfortunately will not get that game back most likely. Not yet. It's a long season. You have plenty of time uh, to find and pick your spots, and uh, I'll be interested to see how it all shakes out, but we all three have the Bears winning. Uh, but how confident are we in, in this game? So, Mason, I go right back to you. Where's your confidence meter at? I had a, at a 6.8. Uh, like it, it's more about not trusting the Bengals as it is that I trust the Bears. And even with that, it's still obviously on the, a little bit on the lower end, not super high. You know, that, that's, that man, that secondary play was so, so rough. And it was like just such a we, – we, we had some hope there, and then they dashed it. by <laughs> Just having absolutely no heart, you know, that there wasn't – there was the coverage, the schemes, it was all funky. You add on to that, still sticking on the defensive side, that the – defensive line just really hasn't been there in terms of the pass rush they've been great in the run but again in today's offense you gotta stop you gotta get to the quarterback or else you're gonna tear you apart i expect andy dalton to be able to throw longer than 12 yards i expect Allen robinson to run a route longer than 10 and so they're you know so it should be better we should see some more chance for explosive plays but it's a lot of woulda coulda shouldas right now so i'm not super high on it but more so than i honestly thought i'd be all right, uh, let's go over to Nick for his confidence meter. Where's it at, man? I was trying to see where I was at with this Bears-Rams game last week because I full confidence the Rams were going to win, and that's what ended up happening. But it doesn't feel like that this week. Like, this is a Bengals team that won in overtime and, you know, debatable if Dalvin Cook really fumbled that football and they were able to win that game off of that, right? But it's not – they're not an unbeatable opponent. This is a team that's still figured things out. They're up and coming. So my confidence with the Bears winning this game, and look, they're still the Bears. You can't really have too much confidence because they, they break your heart every single week that they can. But it's around a seven right now. I This is a team they can beat. Like Mason was saying, they beat the teams that they should, and then when you know, you're expecting them to do an upset, they definitely don't you know do that. But I'm at a seven right now. The Bengals are not a daunting – they're not – they're not the Rams that I think is going to be competing deep playoff runs. So a seven right now for my confidence. All right. I'm above a five, of course, uh, because I have the Bears winning. I'm at about 6.5, which does put me below both of you, but it's just kind of to Mason's point. I I want them, you know, to show me what you got, Uh, prove what you're all about right now when it comes to the Bears. And there are serious concerns still. I mean, we talked about them in great length. Uh, you know, even personnel-wise, we barely mentioned that Eddie Goldman probably won't play. I still think Elijah Wilkinson, if he has to start at left tackle, it's going to be a problem for this offense. And there are strengths that this Bengals have on both sides of the ball that can eliminate some of our own and also exploit weaknesses. But I think really at the end of the day, the Bears will play better. Uh, they knocked some rust off, but I know that every team's knocking off rust in week one. So I don't know how big of a factor that may be. But I feel like the Bears know for a season perspective, like you can't go into own two hole. And we haven't talked about it yet at all, which I'm kind of proud of us because it's not really that big of a deal. But the Andy Dalton revenge game, right, like that we talked about uh, during me, the opponent for a little bit, like who knows, maybe he plays with a little fire passion edge uh, a bit just to kind of show that organization in which he spent the vast majority of his career. Not what they're missing because they have Joe Burrow now, but, you know, hey, I still got it or just a little extra motivation. So maybe that's it. 
Uh, some of my other just thoughts to wrap up the show, and then I'll go to both of you guys for closing statements. You know, I'm just interested to see how the Bears do respond this week uh, after what we saw on Sunday night. Uh, do they bring the energy in the home opener? Uh, if they come out flat, uh, I do think we have some serious problems on our hands about motivation inside of this locker room right now. Uh, last week, what we saw was a mess, uh, and this week is proving that you can clean, as Nick said, those correctable uh, mistakes. Uh, the Bengals are much more beatable. Uh, they are a young team that has confidence in them after that win last week. And as I said at the top of the show, it's going to be a tough opponent. They're going to lay it out on the line, and the Bears do need to respond to the challenge and step up to the occasion. Uh, so we'll see if the Bears are ready to ball or not, but I hope they are. Mason, how about you? Any final thoughts as we wrap up the show? I think I'm just going to be excited because Sunday is going to be the first time I get to be up in the press box uh, as during the regular season. So this is going to be uh, really cool to be able to analyze and see what's going on. Obviously, when this last week, was sitting at home watching it so you don't get to see the full gambit of what's going on um understanding you know the broadcast view you off don't get to see the safeties you're just zoomed in on what the offensive lines are doing for the most part so it's gonna be uh, great to be able to see that perspective for this game and hopefully we can bring you some great information with that too oh for sure i know as of right now it'll be you and nick uh, i'm gonna be staying down in bloomington to watch my kid play some uh ball it's only the second ever football game and uh, have to pick my spots, and I think I'd rather see the Bears take on the Lions, take on the Packers, uh, and kind of head up to Chicago for uh, those games. So I'm very excited to see what you all do, or we all find a way to connect and do a post-game show. We'll keep you all posted, uh, kind of on those plans. Uh, we're I almost think we're going to figure it out Sunday uh, on the fly based off of how a few different variables uh, play out. But with that, Nick, uh, I'll give it over to you for your final thoughts before we wrap it up. Like Mason was saying, I'm also very excited to be covering my first regular season game at Soldier Field. It'll be an exciting time and something that I've been waiting for for you know a while now. But also one other thing, I'm planning on, and we'll see how this goes, on Fridays answering some of your audio questions. So I need people, and I've had a couple of people leave some voicemails, and I haven't listened to the questions yet. But what you can do, and all of you in the chat, you're still here, so you better call this number, one. 1- Two two four, three zero three, four one five three. You'll hear my voice, and it basically it's me saying thank you for calling. And there it is on the screen. Will you're awesome, but call that number and leave a question that you have on your mind, whatever it could be, and then I'll answer it in a live podcast. And I'm you know figuring out the the everything that needs to go into that, but want to do that on Friday afternoons after I get back from Hallis Hall. I have some time to do that before I go cover cover a high school football game so let's make that happen call that number one two two four three oh three four one five three so i'll end with that i gotta drag it in order to delete it something (laughs) else is in the way gotta love figuring out overlays on the fly that was fun though but that's the number call nick give him a good question and you know he's going to provide you with uh, a great answer so i know you didn't mention it but shades of the audio mailbag from years ago yes yeah and that was so it was off and on you know sometimes we you know it all, all depend on you guys. So definitely call that number. For sure. But that's going to do it, Bears fans. Uh, thanks for tuning into this episode of Chicago Audible. Uh, I think this was a, a great preview for you. You should feel really comfortable uh, watching this game, which I know saying being comfortable watching a Bears game may not actually make a lot of sense, but I think you know what I meant. Uh, if you did like the show and you haven't yet, please take a moment to review and rate our show on Apple Podcasts. It helps us when we're talking to new potential sponsors, uh, as well as reaching more Bears fans like us and just like you. And if you're watching the video here on YouTube and you haven't subscribed 
to the channel yet, would love for you to do that. That way you never miss a notification each and every time we go live or upload a video uh, and up and give this video a thumbs up. Uh, that does help spread the word a, a little bit more based off of YouTube's algorithm. So we would really appreciate that as well. So up next, we'll be breaking down this game on Sunday, however it shakes out. Uh, will Andy Dalton get that revenge? Will the Bears get to 500? Or will they start that season in that dreaded 0-2 hole? Uh, we'll find out soon, but until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.